from the front lines of the green rush. This is Green Entrepreneur, where business owners talk about how they found success in cannabis and how you can too. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is John Small, and I am thrilled to have with me Douglas K. Gordon, joins us all the way from the beautiful country of Jamaica. And Douglas is the CEO of Silo Wellness, which is a multinational psychedelics company with operations in Canada, Jamaica, and Oregon. And Silo's mission is to support the reduction of trauma and increased performance through psychedelic medicine. The company offers psilocybin retreats. Yes, retreats where participants can safely and legally take mushrooms under the guidance of a trained professional. And last year, Silo Wellness partnered with the Marley family in the first truly global mushroom company. Douglas is also the founder of Canex Jamaica, which is the premier cannabis business conference and expo that takes place in the Caribbean. Douglas, did I get that all right? You're doing a lot these days. <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan. That was great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And um, I've wanted to have you on the show because I am so fascinated by these um, very tony and beautiful and enriching retreats to Jamaica that you're a company offers. And I, can you tell me a little bit about, about what Silo Wellness is? And, and then we'll kind of get into all the different things that you guys do. But tell me, tell us a little bit about what Silo Wellness is. Sure. So, so Silo Wellness, we consider ourselves, a, you know, when we are a global wellness and psychedelics company. Mm -hmm. We produce uh, retreats here in Jamaica with psilocybin and with 5-MeO DMT as well. We also do ketamine retreats in Oregon, and we cultivate mushrooms here in Jamaica, psilocybin mushrooms. And we have a meta-dosing nasal spray that we're developing, and, and is, is an early patent filing on that. And then finally, we have, as you mentioned, the, the, the licensing deal with the Marley family. So we've launched a line of functional mushrooms called Marley One. And we're just in the process of rolling that out globally. You know, we're now in the UK, we're in the US, and we're now soon entering Canada, and we're already here in Jamaica. So our goal is to really, across the board, one of the things we're most proud of is that we're actually offering psilocybin and psychedelic experiences to customers today. You know, there's a lot of entities in this space that are doing great work in terms of research, but it doesn't actually benefit people today. And mm -hmm. one of the things that we found is, and the angle that we've sort of positioned ourselves around, particularly with our retreats, is paying a lot of and incorporating a lot of the indigenous cultures and traditions and giving and really looking to the indigenous communities for leadership and guidance in terms of how we can build this new sort of dispensation around utilizing psychedelics in this new legal framework that we now find ourselves in. So let's talk about that legal framework. So clearly, what is the law regarding psychedelics in Jamaica? So it's legal to take psychedelics in Jamaica right now? Yeah, there's okay. no restrictions against it. No. Wow. Are there restrictions against cannabis? They are. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So if if one were to go down to Jamaica and do as they are no legal jeopardy whatsoever taking psilocybin. No, none whatsoever. Okay. And I mean, when I say, just to clarify my last point, you know, in terms of the cannabis industry, you know, there is a legal framework on a medicinal, from a medicinal perspective, but there is absolutely a, a legal operating framework here. Now, I, I, I think we both kind of smiled when you said that it, that surprises me. Do you, do you understand why it would be? Of course. <laughs> what, what is the reason? Is it because of the history of cannabis in, in Jamaica? I mean, what, what is it? Well, I mean, it's really a history of cannabis globally, right? Mm -hmm. You know, what struck me when I got into the industry and started reading up about it is how, how easily people could just change history. I mean, it sounds a little bit naive or 
for someone who looks like me to even say this, right? But it's how easily we could change historical facts and then demonize something that was being used by the medical community in the, in, in the U.S. and who were up in arms when it was made illegal. Because yeah. now they've lost access to medicine that the U.S. government decided was now had no medicinal use whatsoever. It's quite remarkable it's that that's what's transpired. And yeah. All right. So talk to me a little bit about the retreats first. I want to talk to you about a lot of the different things that you're doing. But the retreats intrigue sure. me. One, because I want to go on one. So, of course, this is also self-serving. But I think a lot of our listeners are probably like, wow, you can what an amazing experience. You can go to beautiful Jamaica Tell me, like, how does it work? Do you, do you have facilities that people can check into? Like, can you can you sort of take me through a retreat? What we've chosen to do with our model is, you know, Jamaica's beautiful, okay? And we, we early o'clock, we wanted to, we didn't want to have some helicopter experience. And what I, what I call that is just, we pick up everyone from the United States, we bring them to Jamaica, pick a location, then we helicopter everybody straight out of Jamaica back to wherever they came from. Yeah. You know, I saw too much of that happen with cannabis. And I felt that when you integrate into the island, you get the benefit of what's so special and powerful about this, this special place in, on the planet. And so we wanted to make sure that our retreats allowed us to go to different parts of the island. So we structured it around you know, themes, because a big part of having a powerful psychedelic experience is your mindset. And when people talk about the set and setting, but it's really preparing you so you're not afraid. It's right. the anxiety that people carry that prevents them in most instances from really having that wholesome, fulsome psychedelic experience because they're so nervous. So this work, they're trying to hold on to this element of control. And the whole essence of it is to let go. Yeah. You know, when you let go, then you get the benefit of the medicine working its magic in your mind. But when you hold on, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. So what we wanted to have with our retreats is to get people as comfortable as possible. And so with that, we felt moving away to different parts of the island for that married to a particular theme that we might have for a given retreat was the best way to put people in the right mindset you know, to, to, to accomplish the power of the, of the psychedelic retreat. So there's these different parts of the island that you can go to for different, you said themed sort of retreats, like some is to renew, renewal, some is for, for healing. Well, Jonathan, like, you know, when you think of like, like-minded people, you know, think of a women's retreat. Yep. It sounds cool and it sounds catchy, but what we miss, what we miss as a man, okay, is, is that, someone's trauma might have been what was inflicted upon them by a man. Mm. And so now when you go into a setting where you're asking them to completely let go, um, and in some instance share as they see fit, just the presence of somebody who represents something that traumatized them will undermine their experience, will prevent them from truly letting go. Right. And so, you know, we had to make sure that everything from our retreat leader to the people playing the music, you know, all those are females to make it as, as comfortable as possible for them. So, you know, we try to take the idea of the, the, the particular theme as far away along through the process as we possibly can to really stay true to what we yeah. represent. Who are the retreat leaders? So our, our, our main retreat leader is a Rastafarian gentleman named First Man, who's very well known for his work with the, the Rastafarian indigenous village here in Montego Bay. He's spoken at Canex, you know, he's passionate, intelligent, articulate, you know, incredibly purposeful and, you know, really very ethical in terms of Douglas, we cannot say this and we cannot do that because that goes against the culture. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a beautiful thing to have that sort of like commercial orientation to say we need to accomplish this along with someone who we've entrusted to guide our retreat saying we cannot say that we cannot do that because that goes against the culture. Right. And then we have to find creative ways to say, well, we need to kind of accomplish that, but we can't do it in a way that's not that's not in sync. So, you know, it, it's interesting that yeah. way, but. We've had, so we've had him, we've had Queen I, who's another lady from the Rastafarian community. We've had um, retreat leaders from, from Mexico come in, from Costa Rica. Again, with a focus on indigenous. Yeah. Why, why was that important to you? Because it, to, you wanted to stay true to the, to the origin of the plant and to the, the true meaning of, of, what, of how the plant's used? Tell me a little bit about why that was important for you. Because it's been used in these settings for thousands of years. Yeah. But there's an understanding of how the medicine works. There's a there's a relationship. There's a there's a there's a real respect for it. What's so unfortunate that I've seen in this industry already is the number of people who have somehow allowed themselves to believe that they're playing an instrumental role in the outcome that people are having from taking these medicines. You know, we talk about ego death. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of the people who are uttering those words are the ones who need to, to listen to that, that phrase themselves, you know? And so when you look at the indigenous cultures, there's so much less of that because this has been around for so very long and is a different degree of, of regard for the process. You know, there's a reverence there because they understand it. We wanted to, we wanted to be part of something that was bigger. We wanted to help to, to put into this new world order, if you will, something that, that gave back and, and honored the, the time, these traditions over time. You know, we felt that was very, very important because it couldn't be that one day we woke up and said, this is legal. And the day before that, it was illegal. And so now everybody who was keeping it alive were learning how to do it, as we saw to some degree with Jamaican cannabis. You know, we, we just throw them by the wayside because they're not important anymore because now, you know, Steve decided it was legal and now he's an expert. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it needs more than that, Jonathan, like this medicine and the impact it has on people and the ability for them to become better versions of themselves, bigger versions of themselves, get out of their own way. It's such an awesome responsibility that yeah. I feel and a privilege, not just a heavy responsibility, a real privilege that I think it's important that we find all the ways that we can deliver that to people in the way that, that serves them and their highest purpose. Well, so are there lodgings at your retreats or do people come from the where we're lodging they're staying at? No, we, we put it all in. So like, all we in. will book out a villa. We try to move it away from large hotel spaces. So it's, it's, a, it, it's one, no pun intended, it's one silo. Yeah, everyone's yeah. Like getting to know each other. They feel safe. They feel comfortable. There's no outside influences. And about how many people are, it, you know, at any given retreat, about how many people... Gather. We cap it. At, we cap it at fifteen. Okay. We feel that beyond that number, it's very difficult to have a high probability of of cohesion within a group. So that's kind of where how we keep it. And I think that I read there about three to five days of retreats, or are they always the yeah. same? Three to five days. Five days. Five days. Four nights. Five days. Four nights. We should probably talk about how much how much that costs. It's not cheap. Our retreats are about $4,000 okay. for the five days, four nights. You know, we put a lot into them, yes, but they're not inexpensive, I'll be right. very frank. But for the value proposition and what they do for those, you know, 12 to 15 people who attend, you yeah. know, I'm very comfortable that people know that it's well worth, right. it's well worth. I think money. in this case, you get what you pay for. And I think there's certain things you don't want to chintz on. And I would say one of them is 
you know, a, a well-guided psilocybin experience and journey, as yeah. you call it. Um, and it's yeah. not just, you're not just taking, so, like how many times you actually take the psilocybin during the five day? <laughs> you're not taking it all day long. You're not waking up with, take a little psilocybin. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. I couldn't even imagine what yeah. that would be like. That would no, be intense. it's typically, it's typically two journeys. Two journeys. I like that yeah. word journeys. And then the rest are just activities that you've scheduled, right? Like boat rides and, and just like kind of yoga, med- meditation, exercises, et cetera. Yoga, meditation, we do sound healing, we do, um, you know, sometimes we, we, we have you know, like different dinners around the fireside. It's, it's really a time that we try to make sure everybody can come and just immerse themselves in the experience and just, just allow themselves to become, you know, who they want to be. Yeah. More. So we do do, you know, like nature hikes and stuff like that for those who choose to do it, go visit a river, but it doesn't tend to be the more commercial type of you know, excursions and that sort of thing, because we want to keep it very true to what the the purpose of the whole experience, you know, revolves around. Who are you finding your customers are? They're probably a variety of people, but in terms of their comfort level with psilocybin, are you finding that most people, this is their first time, most people, they've done it before and now just want to do it in a kind of more intimate, beautiful setting? We're finding about 60 to 70%. This is their first time. And then for the, for the others who have tried psilocybin mm-hmm. before, for most of them, this is the first time they're doing a retreat. Yeah. And what they've reported is a completely different experience, you know, in doing it in this sort of therapeutic manner that's well planned out, you know, we're holding their hand, you know, they, they, there's a purpose around why we're doing this. It's not just a, you know, fly me to the moon kind of, kind of yeah. vibe and see where we land. You know, this is very much about have it, helping them to identify what their intentions are ahead of the, the experience speaking to them after they've had their experience, you know, what was it like? And then, you know, at the end of it all, putting them on a pathway to, you know, what happens from here in their lives in terms of interpreting this experience, capturing it and moving on from there. So it's very fulfilling though. Yeah. Very, very fulfilling. And it, what kind of safety precautions do you have in terms of somebody has a really bad trip, right? Because I mean, I think a lot of people, you, you said there's a lot of fear and that's mainly because either people have heard about people who've had bad trips or like me, They've had a bad trip on mushrooms, which I did. But, you know, again, I did it. We talked about this before I got off, before I got on the line with you. I had a bad experience because I did it with somebody I didn't know. I took too much and I had no guidance. It was just like we were in New York City. We did it and we walked around the city and I had a terrible experience, right? But what do you do? Some people are going to have a little freak out. You said you have people like holding hand, like literally, do you have people with them kind of guiding them through it? Yeah. So we have the pre-screen is incredibly important. You know, we have a Dr. Bat who's on our team. He reviews all of the all of the questionnaires that our guests fill out, and then he he speaks to them. You know, so he has that con- con- communication with them. So he's comfortable that they're in a place where they're not susceptible to any psychotic events. They're not using medications that would have contraindications or, or complications, if yeah. you will. And then before that, before they even start, you know, our retreat leader will speak to them. So again, we put a special emphasis on getting that person mentally comfortable about what they're about to experience. And then on the ground, we have we have folks who work with our retreat leaders to support all the guests. So there's more than enough hands to sort of guide them if they're having, they're going through their process and they get a little bit disturbed. And what I'm what I'm very happy about, they, they, we tend to be very proactive in the sense that when we can, we can, we read people, you know, mm-hmm. how are they doing? And then you, you, you sort of soothe them before they get to that point where they're, they're really elevated in terms of being anxious. But we have, you know, medical support and we have access to emergency care, you know, lined up for, for each one of our retreats to make sure that they're well supported. What yeah. do you find that most people are 
we mentioned trauma. You know, I know a lot of people look to psilocybin to help them cope with trauma, but are, are some people just down there to have like, you know, mind opening experiences? Like what, what are your, most of the, your customers, what, what, what do you think they're seeking? You have a mix, you have a mix of folks who at the heart of it, we all have trauma. That's, yeah. what, that's what we forget. We of all course. have trauma. Right. And I had a psychologist, a psychiatrist, sorry, Johns Hopkins trained psychiatrist here in Jamaica at a, at a conference say this. And I thought he put it so well. He said, psychedelics are the only medicine that are appropriate for the quote unquote unhealthy. For, sorry, he put it for the unwell and for the well. So that, that desire to navigate past that trauma and reinterpret that trauma it's supportive to those people for whom that trauma is so front and center that it prevents them from being accomplishing so many other things in their lives, right? As well as for those people who are performing maybe at a high level, but they know that they're still not where they want to be. You know, they're not that version of themselves that they're aspiring towards because that other trauma, that second guessing, that anxiety, that sense of self-worth, all these other components there that also has to be addressed. Right. So I say that it's our our retreats are really oriented for those people who are are seeking more of themselves. They want to be more of who they are. And there are different points on the continuum of being able to activate that based on what they've been through or where they sit in their lives. Right. But that's what we try to, to do with them is help them become who they are. Is psilocybin the only psychedelic you're working with right now down in Jamaica? Or do you work with some of the other ones that People. No, we, we've, we've worked with 5-MeO-DMT down mm-hmm. here as well. Um, we're, we're looking at other ones, but psilocybin is, is, is working well. There's a lot of demand for it. And I think we're going to continue to build out the psilocybin uh, retreats, but we're also open to looking at other ones. Yeah. So we're constantly reviewing and, and ex- exploring, you know, different opportunities. Now, I know you, you also have operations in, in Canada and Oregon and in the, in the United States. You mentioned ketamine clinics in Oregon. Is that because that's the only thing right now that's legal in Oregon for people to, to take? I know that there are ketamine. Yeah. yeah. In the U.S. In the U.S., that's what I meant. Yeah. I mean, the schedule three. So again, we do retreats there. So again, it's a little bit more of a therapeutic, immersive type of experience, you know, really putting you in nature versus the more clinical type of approach, which is not not necessarily what we we deliver. But yeah, those have worked pretty well as well. What's the law in Canada regarding psychedelics? Canada has just passed a couple of laws to say that they're going to, you know, they're, they're close to make, they're making it more readily accessible, just not completely legal just yet. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, but they're moving pretty quickly up there, I have to say. And, and that's what I'm seeing in a number of different jurisdictions is really governments are starting to recognize that mental health is such a, it's such a debilitating issue, right? Across their populations. And, you know, we're living in a time where we, the medical community recognizes that 30% of the, the, the pharmaceuticals they're giving folks for mental health care don't work. 30%. And if, you've, if, you, if you know anyone who has been diagnosed or who's being treated for, for mental health issues, you know, we can smile all we want, but we know that the 70% that they're claiming work, it's, it's to what degree? You know, some of us have loved ones and when they're, when they're medicated, it's like they're they're vanilla versions of themselves. You know, yeah. some people use the terms zombie, which I don't like to use, but you know, the, if that's what's working, God help us on the 30% where it's not working. Yeah. Right. And, and it's unfair, you know, we, we treat mental health as, as if it's some sort of esoteric like plague. And the truth of the matter is we accept people today who might be vision impaired, you know, hearing impaired, mobility impaired, 
And we understand that we all have different limitations in our lives and challenges and so forth. But we've not done that as a collective with mental health. You know, it's really high time we start paying good attention to it because a lot of the things we're doing in society are really challenging people. You know, social media is a wonderful tool, but the downside to it is folks who have been in certain scenarios in their lives, it's perpetuating an outlook on life that's that's counterproductive. Right. You know, so we have more need for tools that help people to see past some of these sort of social constructs and get more of the heart of who they are than we've ever had a need for. So I think we're going to see, I believe, I hope that more folks are going to really look seriously at the role psychedelics can play in having a better population and do their jobs as sort of, you know, protectors of, of, of different constituents to say, let's see how we get this into your hands because it's safe, it's natural, and it can help, it can help you kill you. Let's talk really quickly about the Marley One brand that you have. First of all, congratulations on working with the Marley family. That, that's, a pretty big, that's a pretty big deal down there Thank in Jamaica. You. That's like working with the most royal, <laughs> you know, that's, that's an iconic name. But I'm curious, uh, first of all, we associate the Marley with certainly Bob Marley with cannabis. And also a lot of people in his family have cannabis companies. I say a lot. I think there's two or three people that have their own cannabis lines that have the Marley name. But I didn't necessarily associate Marley with psilocybin. Was he, was Bob Marley a psilocybin uh, user? Do we know? And, and why was the family involved in, in that? So Mrs. Mrs. Marley, Rita, she tells me that, yeah, they used to, you know, they used to uh, consume mushrooms of all types. But I, I think for me, what I find the most powerful about the association, and it's it's quite prophetic, really, is that so many of the words, you know, back in the day, I used to think when Bob Marley spoke of one love, it had a connotation that we needed to take from it to say, we're all humans, we're all one people. You know, this idea that one is better than the other one and blah, 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 whether it's country, color, creed, religion, whatever, you know, should be thrown out. But for me and what we do now, I see it broader than that. I see it as in, you know, one love is that the earth has the power to heal all its children. You know what I mean? We are all interconnected. And when you understand from like, like shows like Fun- uh, Fantastic Fungi, for example, the immense power of mushrooms, the connection that they run across the earth, the Marley name, the Marley family, the Marley ethos is the most aligned with what mushrooms represent, in my opinion. And so outside of the commercial considerations to enter a new industry and to have the right partner and the right values and all of those things, I don't think we we could have wanted for a more representative um, personality because of what they stand for. You know what I mean? Like yeah. being of the earth, being right. clean, being real, being authentic. That's, yeah, that's so much allows us to get in, in touch with because you know Jonathan we are perfect individually in of ourselves but then we get imperfect because of all the constructs that we allow to cloud our perspectives of, of ourselves and so in in a way if we can peel back those layers and just be who we are inside without all those considerations then I think we have this I know this sounds very wusa but we have a, a pathway to a very different way of dealing with one another. Because we're not reacting to things. You know, you didn't you didn't say hello to me, but in a way that I thought was offensive or gruff or you're mad. And so I'm reacting from that place because of some construct I have in my head about how somebody else spoke to me earlier. And then da, 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 da. I'm comfortable with who I am. So whether Jonathan says, hey, Douglas, what up, dog? 
oh, yo, I'm going to react the same way that I'm going to react because I'm comfortable. And Marley allows us to have a a mentality, I think, where we can bring a lot more respect, regard, appreciation, care, and just, in a way, simplicity to how we see the world. So I believe, I actually, thank you, somebody sent me a bunch of Marley One product at one point uh, to review. And obviously there's no, it's not psilocybin mushrooms we're talking about, at least not what I was sent, because that would be- No, these are all functional. Okay, so the the difference between functional and what does that mean? Functional, just so for in layman's terms, means that it's sure three three types of mushrooms. You have culinary, the portobello, shiitake, etc. You have functional or therapeutic, which are these like lion's mane, reishi, chaga. Then you also have psychedelic, which are the psilocybin. Got it. Type. So you have different species that are that are psilocybin based. And these come in the form of tinctures, right? Is that is that the Marley One brand right now? The tinctures, or there's other. Okay. No, we have, it's a, those are the formats for right now. We have a bunch of other products in development, but that's what we have now. Oh, terrific. And these are available. What is the rule on functional mushrooms? This can be, it's like CBD. It's available widely. It can be available in any state in the U.S.? Yeah. yeah. Across the board. I mean, we're now, you know, we're now rolling out across the United States into Canada. We just started selling in the U.K. We sell in Jamaica. So, you know, it's, it's our goal. Our goal is to get Marley One yeah. globally because functional mushrooms have been, you know, they, they, they've been doing so very well. It's growing very quickly because of its health benefits. You know, whether that's that's helping you with sleep or digestion or immunity or even just cognition, you know, that the health benefits have been proven out over a very long time. And that's what we're happy now to be a part of in terms of, you know, our product line to get to people. All right. So if people want to find out more about taking a retreat down to a silo, a silo wellness retreat, either in Jamaica or in uh, ketamine to Oregon, or possibly, uh, you know, even getting a Marley one product, what, what's the best place for them to, to find at this, this out. So on our retreats, they can go to silo wellness.com slash retreats. Okay. And from Marley one specifically, you know, just to Marley one.com. Awesome. And of course, as we didn't even talk about it, next time I have to bring it back to talk about Canx Jamaica, that's still happening, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I want to come having some um, investment summits coming up, which we bring cannabis and psychedelics together. So, and that is a big event that takes place down in Jamaica. Uh, It really kind of about the cannabis in the whole Caribbean. Is that across the board? The Caribbean cannabis is right now medicinal use only, or do you think, see that changing? Do you see that changing from country to country? I, I see it changing. I mean, look, you know, we use this term medicinal, like it really has some sort of like medical yeah. relevant, right? It's just, it's just a way of limiting access, Yeah, you know? And the thing about it is what people don't appreciate is the Caribbean is a lot more conservative than people realize, you know, mm-hmm. you come in to visit and we think it's so laissez-faire and cool and re- relaxed, right? but we're very, very conservative um, as a, as a, as a rule. So, you know, navigating through those processes so people can move past their prior stigmas and, and, and thoughts and fears that everybody's going to walk around the street, smoking a joint, you know, that's all stuff that we still have to educate the public on and, and the government on. But fundamentally, I think, you know, it, it holds so much potential for the Caribbean, you know, for the people of the Caribbean in terms of spending less foreign exchange on importing medicines from all around the world, having a more productive workforce, and just generating more economic activity from within each island. It's very frustrating and a little bit mind-boggling to me that more governments haven't recognized what the true economic benefit and value is to each of these respective islands and the whole and the whole collective. And hopefully that'll change in the not too distant future. That would be great because there's 
fantastic product down there that I'm sure that people would like to have access to. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, Douglas Gordon, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about me. I cannot wait to come to Jamaica for a number of reasons. All right, Jonathan, have a great day, man. Take care, man. Thank you for listening to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. To find out more about Green Entrepreneur, you can go to greenentrepreneur.com or check out our magazine on newsstands everywhere. Check out our Instagram at Green Entrepreneur. We're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and all other social media feeds. If you like this podcast and you'd like to hear more from me, Jonathan Small, check out my other podcast, Right About Now, that's W-R-I-T-E, to get some in-depth interviews into the lives and stories of successful writers, how they got there, what they learned, and what you need to succeed. That's rightaboutnowmedia.com. Until next episode, we'll THC you later.